Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Liza Hanks. Liza, are you ready to do this? I am. Excellent. Let's do this. Liza is an attorney with GCA Law Partners, an author, and the host of the Life Death Law podcast. She's been practicing in the area of estate planning since 2001. I'm excited to have you on. Liza, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So I'm a mom. I've got two kids. i got a daughter who just graduated from college and a son who just turned 17. And uh, I've been an estate planner since that son was born. Uh, what I do is I help people put important documents in place to take care of the people that they love. And I got started because one of my best friends was killed unexpectedly in a car accident right after my son was born, like literally within that first week. And in the process of helping her family um, get things together and uh, take care of what needed to be taken care of, I realized this was a super important area of the law and of great benefit to families, and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, it is such such important work, and you know, I think that it's too bad that it oftentimes motivates people to take action when something bad happens to them or something bad happens to somebody close to them. So interesting how right. people get started in a certain area I'd love to hear more about well, uh, more about that work yeah so uh, you know I live in California and in California everybody's supposed to have an earthquake kit right they have to have water and radio and cat food and food <laughs> for their family you know so, yeah stashed somewhere uh, outside of the house so that if something really catastrophic happens they're covered and I always say estate planning is like an earthquake kit it's it's work to put together at first um, but the motivation should always be to keep the people you love safe. And the difference between an earthquake and death is an earthquake is likely to happen, but maybe won't happen in your lifetime, whereas death is 100% certain for all of us. Right. So it's like planning for an earthquake that's definitely going to happen, but you don't know when. And so it's proactive and it's um, hard to do, but it, it's great to do because when your family needs it, they really appreciate that you put the time in ahead of time. No kidding. Right. So why is yeah. it so hard to do? Well, it's not hard to do in any sort of intellectual or logistical sense. It's not any harder than like preparing dinner for most people. It's emotionally hard. And I think that's because nobody wants to think about dying, right? I mean, my clients consistently will come to my office and say, well, if I die, and I sort of laugh and I say, let's stop right there. Are you like, I want what you're on, you know, because actually, as far as I can tell, it's a when, not an if. Right. But I think all of us at some level think it happens to everybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's aversion, I think, is the main reason that we put it off. It's not because it's hard. I mean, honestly, if you have enough assets to need to do an estate plan, which means, you know, maybe you have a house, maybe you have some retirement, maybe you have some life insurance. Um, if you have all of those things, then you're, you have what you need to do an estate plan. Like you know how to read and write, you know how to take care of what's important. So there's nothing, there's no skills that you lack. It's just motivation and fear, um, that gets in the way, I think. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. Nobody likes to talk about or think about those kinds of things. And to your point, 
statistics, they may seem reasonable to us, but they're more for other people than they actually are for us. So, so yeah, this is probably the only podcast you do that's relevant to literally a hundred percent of your listeners. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to eventually happen. Hopefully, hopefully much later than sooner, but, but, but you never know. So, so what, what is estate planning? Right. So estate planning mostly consists of three or four documents that people need to put in place. A will is the most basic estate planning document, and it allows you to uh, um, leave your property to the people that you designate. And if your people are minor children, to put something in place for them to manage assets for them until they're old enough to take care of them for themselves. And also if you have minor kids to name guardians, so somebody who would take care of those kids until they turned 18. And the other two basic documents are called uh, durable powers of attorney. So those are documents that designate somebody to uh, act for you if you're incapable of acting for yourself. So you're incapacitated in some way. And, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but if you watch Monty Python, those are the not dead yet documents, Mm -hmm. right? So you're not dead, but you need someone to act for you either financially or, or medically if you're unable to make decisions for yourself. And then the fourth one depends on where you live, right? So in California, Probate is an expensive and slow process. And so a big part of estate planning here for a lot of people is putting together what's called a living trust, which is um, a way of transferring property without having to be supervised by the court in a probate proceeding. But that's not true in every state. So some states, probate's not expensive or is time consuming. And in those states, people don't do living trust. They just use their will as their major document. So it's either three or four documents. So how do I know if probates time-consuming and expensive in my state or how can I find well, out yeah I mean you can you can uh, do some simple googling um, you can go to a website called um, legalconsumer.com and type in your zip code so full disclosure I wrote the inheritance law part of that website but if you nice. type in your zip code yeah it will tell <laughs> you uh, it will tell you uh, what what's what's going on in your state it'll tell you uh, it'll give you links to all the probate courts and all the um, county resources that you might need, but it will also tell you what, what the situation is in your state because it's localized by zip code. So Got that's it. an easy way. Okay. Yeah. Or you can talk to an estate planning attorney where you live. Sure. appreciate that. So you already touched on this a little bit, but who is a candidate for this? Everybody? Are, are, are <laughs> some people more likely to, to, to need it than others? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Anybody's going to die probably ought to have an estate plan. So that's like everybody. But whether you need to do an expensive one with an attorney, that's kind of a gating factor, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anybody with minor kids should at least have a will in place to name guardians for those kids um, in the extremely unlikely case that they die before those kids turn 18, right? So young parents should definitely have wills. Um, And I really think everybody over 18 should have a durable power of attorney um, for finance and healthcare because we're all likely to get sick or hurt at some point in our lives and maybe need somebody to help pay our bills or make medical decisions for us. But those three documents you can do on your own. You can do simple ones for little or no money, right? So um, again, I live in California, but most states have these things. Uh, the state bar in California has a statutory will. You can just Google, you know, will. California State Bar and there's like a free fill in the blank will that's super basic 
but covers the bases and you sign it in front of two witnesses. Um, powers of attorney, you can also find simple ones. You can find them online. Um, a really simple program called Willmaker from a company called Nolo. I write for them, full disclosure. But there's a they have software called Willmaker that for like $50 will generate a simple will and powers of attorney. So there's really no excuse for not having the basics in place. Um, when you're ready to see an attorney, I'd say you, when you own a house, um, if you have to are going through a divorce, if you marry somebody who's been married before, uh, or if you're wealthy, right? Those are all reasons to get professional help. Got it. Okay, I think that that definitely makes sense. Well, I'd love to go through a, a, a scenario with you just to sort of put a bee in people's bonnets if they've not yet done these things. And let's just let's use a hypothetical. Thirty-year-old uh, George is single, uh, but he owns a home and has some money. But he gets in a motorcycle accident and is incapacitated. If he doesn't have the durable health care or the, uh, the 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 financial powers of attorney. What what does the process look like to actually get anything done? It's kind of messy um, because if George doesn't have anything in place now and he's like unconscious or has no capacity, yeah, then it's too late too late for George to sign documents, right? right. So. I mean, you just kind of went right to the biggest worst case catastrophe scenario, right? So maybe if this podcasting thing doesn't work out, you should be an attorney because that's how we <laughs> think. But, uh, you know, in a situation like that, uh, and if he were permanently disabled or something horrible, you know, his family would have to go to court and um, have someone be appointed as his guardian. That's a conservatorship uh, proceeding in California. It has different names in different states. But there is a process where a court can appoint someone essentially like a guardian of an adult who's no longer able to manage their own affairs. But if George had done a power of attorney uh, before that accident, you wouldn't have to go to court. And he would have appointed someone, like maybe his dad or something, or his mom, to take care of things for him until he gets better. And hopefully George will get better, and then he'll go do a formal estate plan because now he's had a brush with mortality, right? That's the more common scenario, right? It's not permanent disability. It's he's in the hospital for three weeks or something, right? right? So ideally though, but it's common that somebody who's 30 without kids may not have these documents in place. And mm -hmm. so that's why there is this backstop of going to court, but that's a proceeding. I mean, you know, the judge has to hear make sure that George is not able to manage things for his own affairs. You know, George would be represented by counsel. It's expensive. It takes time to do that. So we want to avoid that by putting these simple documents in place before we need them. An ounce of prevention. Yeah. And and then it's at this point probably becoming a bit of an aged reference, but I think most people or a lot of people remember Terry Schiavo. That's sort of the opposite. Yep. If George does not get well, um, what happens. Okay, so okay, so, so with Terry Schiavo and George, um, I'm going to make a distinction between financial powers of attorney and medical directives. So the Terry Schiavo case is about end-of-life planning when if George, for example, uh, has like traumatic brain injury and is on a ventilator, right, and the doctors realize that there isn't anything more they think they can do to help George get better, and the machines are just keeping George alive by artificial means, then the question becomes, what, what would George want in that situation? And the document that George 
could have filled out before his accident is called an advanced healthcare directive in California. It has different names in different states. It might be called a healthcare proxy. But all states have something that allows a, a competent adult, so George, prior to his accident, to say, you know, if I'm in that situation and I'm being kept alive by artificial means, right, I do or I do not want my life maintained in that way. Okay? So if George had filled out that document and he checked the box that said, no, I don't want to be on a mechanical ventilator for the rest of my life, then when he was in that situation and his, then his agent's job would be to try to carry out George's wishes and tell the doctors to withdraw life support. Okay? And then they would do that. And then if George could breathe on his own, he would, he would pass away, but more peacefully than he would if he was stuck on a machine. So an advanced directive, is a, is a, it does two things. It appoints somebody to act on your behalf, and it states your wishes for end-of-life care when you're in a position to tell people what you wanted. The whole Terry Shiva thing happened because she didn't have anything like that in place, and the big fight in the family was what she would have wanted. And Her husband thought one thing, and her parents thought something else. Right. So that's what we don't want to have happen. Um, and it's a document that people really have a hard time filling out. They don't like thinking about it. They don't, they don't, or they don't know what they would want or they don't want to think about it is the really the main one. Yeah. It's not really a pleasant thing necessarily, but so many of the important things in life that we need to do are not necessarily pleasant. So if well, I see, could, then we get back to the earthquake hit, right? Because, yes. Because for George's parents, you know, it would be a really difficult decision, but easier if they knew what George had wanted. Mm-hmm. If they don't know what George had wanted, then they're just stuck trying to guess and you know why put your loved ones in that position yeah that's exactly right right and what would your advice be or what is your advice to to younger people with perhaps aging parents and they're not sure if mom and dad have these documents or an estate plan done (laughs) what what is that conversation okay so I don't mean to be utterly self-serving, but I just did a podcast on this called Talking About the Hard Stuff. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to know more, I talked with a, a developmental psychologist about how do you talk to your kids about death and then how do you talk to your parents. So that's an episode that's already published. Perfect. Um, well, yeah. I mean, what I would say, you know, you sit down with your parents in, in a gentle way is to say, hey, I just did my estate plan or I'm working on my estate plan. Have you done one? Like, I don't really know what yours says and sort of open the conversation that way that's one way and another way is to say look I just want to make sure that I could take good care of you you know and in order to do that we need to have some basic documents in place and also we need to have a conversation because the documents themselves George are really um, they're they're a means to an end but the end has to be a conversation I think with your family about what you do or don't want the document itself is useful uh, to the extent that it engenders that conversation within families, I think, having done this now for a long time. Because the documents are kind of minimal, at least the ones that most lawyers do. There are directives out there that say a lot more, but the ones that most lawyers do don't say very much at all. They just say, you know, essentially pull the plug or don't. Right. But, but, fam- but families need to know a lot more, right? Do you want to be at home? Do you, you know, do you want to be do you want comfort care? You know, do you want music? You know, what do you want? Getting that conversation started is kind of my new mission in life because I think it's just so important. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that very much. What percentage of people, and you know, this is perhaps an impossible question to, to, to answer, 
How many people get started with this but then don't finish it? Well, hopefully none of my clients because I right. beat them up. I think that's part of what they're paying me to do, right? Mm-hmm. Is, you know, I tell people starting is one thing, but finishing is everything, right? So, um, but I think the more uh, relevant question is how many people never get started at all, okay. which is like more than half. More than half of the people in this country don't have estate plans at all, according to surveys that I've seen. Which, considering 100% of them are going to die, is kind of a confounding statistic, right? Right. Yeah, right. I'm, I, I, I'm surprised that it's 50%. I would, I would think that very few, a very small percentage of the population has has this taken care of. But. Well, so you know, 50% is still kind of a low number. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't believe in motivating people through fear. I think that motivating people through love is much more effective, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of like losing weight. I mean, it's not that effective to lose weight because you hate your body and you hate yourself, right? It's much better to come from like a positive place. It's like, I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to do what I can. So I think escape planning is sort of the same way. Like motivation is the main thing. So if we feel bad, we feel guilty. I haven't done this. My kid is in middle school. I've been meaning to do it since he was born. Um, that's one kind of motivation. But another kind is like, hey, this is something I can do can do it in a weekend uh i hope it won't be relevant for a really long time but like it's a good thing for me to do and then when i do it i can forget about it like go worry about something else i mean that's a more positive way to approach it i think you know i appreciate that and it is the earthquake kit it's peace of mind knowing that it is there should something bad happen so or it's like a car seat right we all buy mm-hmm. car seats so we buckle our kids into the car seats and it's kind of a pain in the neck and they don't like it and they fuss and take your glasses off but you do it right because you love them yes you want them to be safe sure and i'm also legally compelled to do so i probably would even if i wasn't but well yeah there's that you're not legally compelled to do an estate (laughs) right it's like buying life insurance but but, right it is like buying life insurance and the other thing that i tell people is by not doing it right you're, you're not actually making it not relevant. All you do by not doing it is giving up all your agency and control over what happens next, mm-hmm. right? So, so if George, our motorcycle guy, had two little kids, and say, say he was a single dad, maybe for one reason or another, not divorced, but like the only living parent, and if he were killed in that car accident or that motorcycle accident, and he hadn't put anything in place for his kids, they'd still need guardians. A judge would still have to appoint someone to take care of those kids until they're 18. But now we don't have George's uh, voice in the conversation. Now we just have a judge who doesn't know George and doesn't know George's parents and sister and her sister's husband um, having to make a decision for that kid. Now, if George had written something down, then George would be making that decision for the kid. Like, which one's a better outcome? Who knows those kids better, George or the judge? Right. So... So I think that's something that, you know, it's a it's an important grown up thing to do. And it's not like if you don't do it, nobody's going to be guardians for those kids. I appreciate that. Well, Liza, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Get over your fear of death and do something good for the people you care about by putting some basic documents in place. How about that? I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, so thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? 
also, you can go to my website, which is lizahanks.com. And you can also listen to my podcast at lifedeathlaw.com. And I, I appreciate being on your show. Thanks so much. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Liza your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to lizahanks.com, L-I-Z-A-H-A-N-K-S.com, and listen to her podcast, which you will find in the notes of the show. So thank you again, Liza. Take care. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!